What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Lucas Fryman, and this is the Double Technical Podcast. I hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. A lot of crazy things when it comes to sports, especially in this neck of the woods. Uh, today is going to be, well, obviously, you know, Mondays is just me rocking, but today's going to be a shorter episode. Not not doing too good. Um, haven't been doing too well for a while now, but uh, matters aren't getting better, so... Not, I'm just not feeling good. <laughs> um, so I might be a little bit brief today, uh, but I, I was still wanted to make sure that I got something out to everybody. Wanted to recap it, and hopefully, uh, come Friday, I'm I'm doing a lot better and able to have a really nice, full length, fun show with the guys. You know, the crew. We got to get everybody on here. So. The first thing that I wanted to uh, talk about is everything local. Like always, we start out the show with that. It's brought to you by SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app and use code DOUBLETECHNICAL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. So we're going to start with some UK action. UK played Auburn on Saturday. Me and Michael talked about this. I was concerned. This this was a really good Auburn team, ranked 14th in the country. We, you know, we're 12, but still we've had our off and on, you know, stretches as as the squad. We we've struggled in games that we shouldn't have, and you know, we haven't always turned up in the big games. So this this was a really good test for us because this is away. This is in Auburn. Um, Michael felt that they would win. I didn't think that they would win, but we both agreed that if they didn't, as long as it was close, as long as it was competitive, then we would be happy going forward. Because again, SEC play on the road, Kentucky, you're always going to get everyone's best effort. And Michael was right. Uh, UK was able to get the W over Auburn, 82 to 80. Uh, Tyler Hero made two sec, uh, two free throws. I'm sorry, with 24 seconds left, and then Emmanuel quickly added another to help us complete uh, the victory. When when we look at the box score, um, some of the things that we're going to see: uh, Reed Travis, six for seven, 17.7 rebounds. Um, first off, we out rebounded the heck out of Auburn. We had 33, they had 26, um, but. Again, Retrav, 17 points. P.J. Washington, 13 points, another seven boards. Hagen, six points, another seven boards. Uh, he, Johnson, 20 points. Um, Hero, 20 points as well, and 50% from the three. Um, it, w- it was all starting scoring, period. But what was great is th- our will in, in the fight, you know, this this was a very competitive game. What I loved early, and, and this is exactly what Michael and I talked about on Friday, who is the leader of this Kentucky squad? And Michael nailed it right on the head, said, saying it was Haggins, and that was the truth. We weren't even, you know, more than a few minutes into the game. He was already on Johnson. At the beginning of the year, Kelvin Johnson was, you know, like our best player, and you would have thought would be the leader, but Haggins, man, he's like, Get wake up, he said. Wake up, get your head in the game, kind of deal. And and he got a good response out of Keldon. I mean, twenty points. He he's demanding excellence out of everybody. And even though he did not have a great game, but he still had an important game. I mean, six points, 
seven rebounds, six assists. It's an interesting stat line. Obviously, you'd probably want a little bit more points. But what mattered is he got the best of everyone around him, obviously, as every other starter was in double digits. That's what a leader does. He, he, he motivates and he demands excellence out of those around him. And he was able to get that done and get that. Now, like we always do, we kind of had one person, uh, Brown, who for some reason we just could not stop. I mean, he had 28 points, six or seven from three. We did let them shoot really, really good from the three point at 43.3%. But the good thing is, is we shot over 50% from the floor while they were limited to only 50, uh, 46%. It was a close game, plain and simple. A lot of fouls. P.J. Washington getting um, that, uh, was it a flag or two? I, I can't even remember. It, it's It's been a moment. But, um, plus I'm just all over the place, sorry. Um, he, uh, you know, that shouldn't have been a flagrant, just... Sorry for that long pause. I was just trying to think of how I want to say it. He he did not. It should have been a flagrant. Everyone in the uh, on the broadcast said it shouldn't have been a flagrant, but they did it because the dude bled. And now, the, here we go. I finally regained my thought. I'm sorry. So, just saying, great win. Good job. But now I'm curious as to what's going to happen when we have to play Auburn again in Rupp. I'm afraid there's going to be some sort of like uh, payback on PJ and then I'm just afraid something's going to happen and someone's either going to get hurt or someone's going to get, um, you know, taken out in the sense of like, they're going to get suspended. Just all kinds of stuff just has me a little bit worried about the chippiness there at the end, but all in all, it's a victory for UK. I've talked about it more than I thought I would. <laughs> it it was just a good win and I'm glad. And just plain and simple. Uh, we talked about on Friday as well. We went ahead and looked forward against Mississippi State, number 24, Mississippi State against us. It's in Rupp Arena this time. We're a 75% chance of winning this game. And I really think that we go out there, handle our business against Mississippi State, and then have to lock and load against Kansas on Saturday, which obviously we'll have Michael on here to talk more about. The next thing that I want to talk about is. In KU men's basketball, um, when I, I when I recorded Friday's episode, it was on Thursday, so I apologize that I didn't have the final score of the Cleveland uh, State game. But Northern Kentucky, like I said, as long as they played their game, do what they are good at, they would easily get a win. And sure enough, they did. They won ninety-one to seventy-six. Um, I was reading something uh, along the line this is, that's close to one of their highest point totals in a while, so that's that's really good as far as their offense. Um, Drew McDonald, 19 points, 15 boards, 6 assists. Uh, Tate, 17 points, 7 boards, 3 assists. And then Sharp, who went 5 for 6 from 3, had 23 points in addition. And then Robinson, man, he, he's kind of been off and on on his effectiveness off the bench, but he also went five for seven from the three, five for nine from the floor altogether, 17 points and added on four assists. Plain and simply, they were firing on all cylinders offensive wise. And that's, that's what you want. I mean, we didn't keep Cleveland state from 
I mean, they shot pretty decent, almost 50% from the floor, 40% from three. So we still have some work to do on the defensive side. But the offense was just so prolific that it ultimately didn't matter at all. So a good win there on Thursday night. And then Saturday we had the game against Youngstown State. And we got another W. NKU is now 16-4. and four. Um, It... <sighs> It was another one of those games where I, I knew they could win. The margin was a little bit closer than I thought it would be, but um, we we definitely played a better perimeter defense. They only shot 33% from the floor, still shot 45% from the floor altogether, so we, we can do a little better there. Um, but Drew McDonald, 23 points, only missed two shots, seven boards. Uh, Tate and Sharp added 13 points, both of them respectively. Um, it was just again they were just continuing their their streak as far as shooting they shot 50% from the floor um and they were just getting the boards i mean they out rebounded them 36 to 24 so that's kind of huge um they were doing good on assists they didn't get as many fouls um so ultimately NKU bounced back from that very very tight very very hard contested right state game and that you know that they still won but you know they had a lot of miscues that that could have hurt them they they took that they learned from it and now they went out executed did their jobs uh, on the next two games which is great for them uh the next game is versus green bay on thursday we have an 85% chance of winning that game according to espn power index um looking at the matchup green bay is 10 and 10 they they give up a lot of points. I mean, a lot. Uh, they they give up 83 points uh, per game compared to NKU's 67. But they are very very good at scoring, and they they score 85 per game, which is a little bit more than us, which were about 79 points per game. Uh, the thing that we have going for us is, well, I mean, we're we're on a hot streak. And offensively, which is good against a team that struggles defensively. And I think that, honestly, Green Bay just, their lack of defense, I don't think that they've, looking at their schedule, they haven't played a really good defensive team yet. And that is what NKU is. NKU and Wright State, the reason why that game was more low scoring compared to all the other games in the conferences and all the other games that they played all year is because they're both two, the only, in my opinion, two good defensive squads in the Horizon League. So I think AKU goes out there. They're going to stifle this Green Bay offense that is, you know, very good. I mean, like I said, scores very high. But it's it's just not going to be enough. We're coming in with a four-game win streak. I don't see us getting upset by Green Bay. So we'll have to watch that 7 o'clock Thursday night. Keep an eye out for that game. Next, I want to talk about the Bengals. Not not too much news on account that the Rams are now going to the Super Bowl. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> since I haven't talked about that, yes. Uh, but uh, the the little bit of news that came out was um, that Jack Del Rio, the former Oakland head coach, 
um, former defensive coordinator for uh, a couple teams through the years, I believe the Panthers and stuff like that. Um, he is actually uh, our leading candidate for the defensive coordinator job, which I don't know how I feel completely about it. I mean, he was better as a coordinator than he ever was as head coach, so I, I do like that. Um, it, it's definitely going to be an interesting fit, but I think that, you know, again, we're, we're just bringing in so much change that I'm I'm happy, but I'm also nervous. Um, we're given what looks like to be a lot of people who have been out of it for just a little bit, so another chance, which that could be a good or a bad thing as far as their motivation. But Jack Del Rio, defensive coordinator, like I said, he was successful. Brian's happy about it. If he's happy about it, I can be a little happy about it just because I, you know, have my concerns. Um, there's obviously people who I would like better for this position, but if this is what Zach Taylor wants, if, if this is what the Bengals organization wants, I think it's better than some of the other options that um, we had and or were hearing. So um, that, that'll be a very interesting, you know, kind of matchup, but maybe, maybe he'll be able to get something out of this defense. This is a, a defense that's about to have what seems like quite a bit of turnover or we're going to have a lot of new pieces because we need to upgrade uh, some of our positions, but um, hopefully he is able to come in there and make the best of this situation that's been given to him because this is his opportunity to get back into the NFL. Uh, another side note, we played the Rams, of course, very funny how we're going to have Zach Taylor as our coach and then he's going to have to go against against go up against his mentor, uh, Sean McVay. In uh, London, actually, we're a, we're a London game this year, even though I kind of hate that, to be honest. I don't like the London games, um, but that's just between me, you, and the fence post. Uh, it just, uh, I don't like them. Too weird of times. Too weird of times, and uh, I think it throws off all the people. There, There's never been really high-quality London games. I mean, the last time the Bengals played in London, we tied the Redskins, so... Now, I'm not overwhelmingly excited, but the nice thing is in London, there's actually quite a following for the Bengals for some odd reason. Um, so uh, we'll definitely have a lot of support, and it could be kind of, quote-unquote, like a home game. So we'll just have to wait and see. But that that that's what we get to deal with. So that is everything that I wanted to talk about when it comes to the local portion of the show. Again, it's brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and use code DOUBLETECHNICAL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Thank you to all the people who have been using that. Uh, quite a few of you used it. Congrats to you for saving $10 and you're helping out the show. So I really appreciate it. And also a little side note, please follow us on all of our social media platforms. Again, search Double Technical and you will find us in a breeze. Um, and also, uh, we're on Anchor. We always share at the Anchor League link. I'm sorry. And you can actually support us there. Uh, there's um, some cool things that they offer. It's kind of like uh, Twitch in terms of uh, um, a subscription kind of deal. Um, it, the lowest one is 99 cents per month. Um, but if, you know, the few hundred people that we get on each episode did that that'd be huge for us it really help out the podcast it really help us to grow so just something to think about if if you have 99 cents to spare we greatly would appreciate it if not share it out let people know maybe somebody else would be able to 
and you know we appreciate any sort of help as far as exposure or um you know actual subscription and things like that everything helps us and we appreciate y'all especially listening that is what helps us the most so on to the NFL I'm not going to take a break today we're going to go right into it two overtime championship games first time this ever happened in NFL history first game was the Rams versus the Saints um me and Michael took the Saints Brian was the lone wolf taking the Rams um it was crazy. I mean, it, it was a crazy game. So starting off, uh, New Orleans missed out on several opportunities. They had it inside the red zone uh, two times to start the game before the Rams ever even got into the red zone. And they only came away with field goals. So right there, that hurts Sean Payton and Drew Brees. That's something that we have to remember. So then uh, another, another few things happen. The... Saints were able to get a touchdown, making it 13 to nothing. Uh, and then we basically in the first half with the Rams being able to get um, a field goal and a touchdown in the second quarter to make it 13 to 10 at halftime. So again, Saints still have the lead, but, but way closer than it should have been. I mean, we're potentially talking that it could have been 21 to 10 if the Rams were able to execute a little bit better in the red zone and, and all props to that Rams defense who at year uh, majority of this year looks suspect. And they finally, it seems, you know, in playoff time has turned it on and became what everyone thought that they could be with Tlaib, Donald, Sue, and, and several other pieces. They, they finally have found how to, function and play at the top tier that we expected them to be here in the playoffs when it matters the most in all honesty. So move on to the second half. Saints able to get a touchdown, go up 20 to 10. And um, then the Rams respond right back with another touchdown of their own, making a 20 to 17. Fourth quarter is where everything goes to crap. <laughs> so uh, Rams made a field goal with five minutes left in the fourth quarter to make it 20 to 20. And the saints had the ball working down the field. Um, there's, there's two things to remember here. Okay. One, the fact that Sean Payton didn't run the ball three times to make sure that Sean McFay had to use up his last timeouts and would have actually wasted some time. Cause I think he only had one or two at that point. The fact that he didn't do that was dumb on his part. Okay, plain and simple. Instead, he throws the ball. It's an incomplete pass to Michael Thomas. They run the ball, make them use their last time out. And then on third down, we decide to do a wheel route out of the backfield. And th this is why I, I mentioned that. First off, we have to talk about this, okay? You guys already know what we're going to talk about. You've been probably hearing about it all day. But before that, Sean Payton made mistakes that hurt them. You know, it, it, the, this penalty wouldn't have, or missed penalty that I'm about to talk about, would not have been so impactful if they did what they should have done, what the smart play would have been, rather than staying aggressive, aggressive even though I know that's been their agenda the entire year. 
they they could have easily pounded it and only allowed the Rams to have maybe 30, 20 seconds to try to do something with no timeout. But anyways, the thing that everyone's talking about is on that wheel route, I, I don't remember who the two players are. I don't, frankly, I don't care. But Drew Brees threw the ball. It was a perfect ball. It, if it was caught, it probably was going to be a touchdown. Uh, the defender was on the left side of the formation and realized that that was his man and knew that he was going to have to cross the entire field to get to him. So at that point, he made the decision that I'm not going to look for the ball, even though if he would have looked for it, he would have intercepted it or interceptioned it, intercepted it, plain and period. But he had already made the decision. Look, there's my man. I'm not going to be able to cover him in time. I'm going to run through him. And accept whatever happens. And that's what you have to do in that play. Because the touchdown here is even more damning. Okay. So that's what he does. And he arrives about four yards too soon on the receiver. As the ball still hadn't even gotten there. And just, you know, destroys him. And the 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 funny uh, thing is he stood up. Okay. The defender that is. And he, you know, had his arms tight on his body, almost like, you know, the child, like bracing for whatever is going to be yelled at them for what they just did wrong. He was ready for the pass interference flag because, like I said, he had made the decision, go level that guy because I'm out of position, but I can't let them score a touchdown. He was ready for it. And he said after the game, he, he thought there was going to be a penalty. But he looked around and nothing, even though it was the most blatant pass interference, if not pass interference, helmet to helmet call I have ever seen in a game. Everybody's talking about this because if they would have called it one of those penalties, they would have been first and goal. McVay was out of timeout and they could have easily sealed away the game by a field goal or a touchdown or running out the clock doing whatever. Okay, they 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 would have won the game, period. That's why there's so much being talked about about this play. And refs miss calls, okay? They miss calls all the time. People are talking about the blatant face mask on Jared Goff. That was not a face mask. The dude hit his face mask. You got to actually grab it. Um, but yes, there's always missed calls, but one that's missed in that heightened of a circumstance and that most important, that was the most important play of the game at that time. That is unacceptable and cannot be missed by what is supposed to be one of the top two, uh, referee staff that the NFL has, because that is how you get to those games is by being the best, the most accurate um, everything. They blew that. Completely blew that. And so the Rams, or I'm sorry, so the Saints had to settle for a field goal and gave the Rams way too much time. They had a minute 41, and they went down, and with 15 seconds left, they were able to kick a field goal and tie it 23-23 to to go into overtime. So we already talked about Sean Payton making a bad call. Oh, not running. We talked about the bat, the very, very egregiously missed pass interference. Now let's talk about someone who I 
love Drew Brees on his biggest mistake of his career. You're getting pressured up the middle. You have the ball. They they got the ball to start overtime, and you know a touchdown wins it. You you have pressure coming up the gut. You know you don't have time. Why do you not just take the sack or throw it away? Why do you try to force it down the field to Michael Thomas when you get hit and the ball is fluttered? I mean, it it seemed like it was up in the air for like a good 20 seconds. And uh, there was some, you know, pushing and whatever. It That doesn't matter. There was no like penalty or anything. But the Rams ended up picking it off with the dude falling down and just being there for the ball to fall from the heavens into his arms. Um, and... To me, that's on Drew Brees. Like, yes, that was a lot of pressure. That was that was right down the middle. That's the worst pressure that you can get in the NFL. Um, ask Patrick Mahomes. That's why he, they lost to the Patriots. But that's another. That's something different. Um, you, you, if you're Drew Brees. You've been here long enough. You don't force that up because you have no idea where that ball is going. And sure enough. It fell right into the hands of the Rams, who then took it, got into field goal range, and the Rams kicker made a 57-year goal, 57-yard field goal, uh, the the longest in Rams postseason history, uh, second longest in NFL postseason history. There were two 58-yarders that um, are ahead of it, but yeah. And and that was it. That that sealed the game. And the Rams, uh, former Bengal Andrew Whitworth, are bat, are going to the Super Bowl. Sean McVay took two years to rebound this team from what was mediocrity and laughable, um, and has taken them on to the Super Bowl uh, over the Saints, who everyone thought, or at least who me and Michael thought, uh, would get the W, but instead Brian was the only one that picked the Rams and was right. So congrats to Brian on that. He started off one and zero, while me and uh, Michael were zero and one because I cursed him. So there's there's not much more to talk about with this game. Um, you know the Rams are young, so this is huge. I, I don't know if anybody saw that video of like bars in LA not caring really about what's happening that shows you the LA market and why I'm still really questioning why in the heck there is two teams in LA when they don't even see to care about the one that's going to the Super Bowl but anyways I digress about that on to the Patriots versus the Chiefs now all three of us all three of us picked the Patriots it's like the first time we agreed on everything I feel like when it comes to the NFL so this this one again has has a lot of um crazy things, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of moments that we have to talk about. So when we look at it, the Patriots started off red hot. Um they they got a touchdown to Michelle, uh, who at that time he had four touchdowns and five quarters in the playoffs. That's absolutely crazy. Um, that the first quarter, you know, that was the only score. Second quarter, uh, they threw a touchdown, 29 yard touchdown pass from Tom Brady to Dorsett. Uh, that sent them into halftime. Kansas City Chiefs, the most prolific offense that we've seen in a long time, is down 14 to 0 at halftime. Patrick. 
Mahomes was getting just pressured up the middle. He wasn't feeling comfortable in the pocket. He was missing a few throws. I say a few. Um, he was still making smart decisions, not like Brady, who did ha- have an interception in the first half at the goal line. They could have actually been up 21-0. to 0. Um, He just needed to, to, to focus in and get the ball moving downfield, which is what they're great at. And sure enough, they got the ball to start the second or the second half, and two minutes in, they score, or three minutes, I'm sorry, three minutes in, they score a touchdown, 12-yard touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. Um, now they're back in the game. Patriots get the ball. There's kind of back and forth a couple punts. Then they finally get into field goal range, and Steven Gaskowski somehow hits a 47-yard field goal in the most windy part of the field. You could see that thing moving left and right, and but it still ended up going down the middle. Great kicker. Um they had a 17 to 7 lead, two point or two possession game. Then the fourth quarter is where everything just hits the fan, guys. <laughs> so early in the fourth quarter, we have a one yard touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes to Damian Williams, making it a 17 to 14 game. Then we have um a a very interesting call. I got to say where this, this was the whole, you know, did Edelman touch it? Sorry. I, I had to think about, yeah, this is when that happened. He didn't touch it guys. If anybody out there thinks that he touched it, there's three angles that prove each hand did not touch it and his arm didn't touch it. So I hated all the people being upset about it, but the, the NFL God, was still like, look, that was so close. I'm going to give it back to him. And Tom Brady throws on the very next play, a pass to Edelman that was easily catchable that goes through his hands and gets picked off. Then uh, again, the very next play is the 23 yard touchdown pass to to Damian Williams. It was, I mean, a beautiful, I mean, absolutely beautiful design play that fooled the crap out of new England. He was wide open um, and just easily walked into the end zone. I mean, it was disgustingly open. So now the Chiefs somehow have bounced back from being down 14-0 to leading 21-17. Then we have the Patriots that get down. uh, It's about three minutes left. It is fourth down, and they hand it to Sony Mitchell, and he runs into the end zone, 10-yard TD run. Now we are up 24 to 21. Then again, Kansas City Chiefs, they throw bombs. They were, they were able to make some big plays that Patriots defense was just getting eight alive. And then it ends up being a two yard Damian Williams, three touchdowns in a quarter, by the way, for Damian Williams, two yard TD run to go up 28 to 24 with two minutes and three seconds left. And everybody in the world was like, you left too much time for Tom Brady to do his thing. And sure enough, they did. Tom Brady works down the field, works down the field. And with 39 seconds left, four-yard TD run by former Bengal Rex Burkhead to go up 31-28. to 28, 39 seconds left. And then everybody in the world, me, Brian, and Michael, all texted each other at the same time. Did he leave too much time for Patrick Mahomes? And yes, apparently two minutes and three is enough for Tom Brady. But 39 is enough for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they had a great return on the kickoff. Uh, he made a great uh, 
two great passes. They they tried for the end zone on one play, but he just ended up throwing out of bounds because you don't want to waste any time because they were out of timeouts at that point. And then ultimately, with eight seconds left, um, Harrison Butker kicked a 39-yard field goal to tie it 31-31, and they go into overtime. I'm going to pause right there. Really quickly, all the people who were talking about how they hate kickers and how they decide things, kickers yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, were perfect. No, Neither of the kickers missed a field goal or an extra point yesterday. So, again, it's all about levels and finding people who know what they're doing. Um, you know, that that's why kickers are valuable and why people need to pay more attention and spend more money to have a good kicker because they did their job that day. So now we are moving in to overtime. So ultimately, the outcome of the game is decided by who gets the coin toss correctly because both of these teams obviously were scoring at will and whoever got it was going to win the game. It was plain and simple. Everyone knew that. And the Patriots were able to guess heads, get it right, and just marched down the field. I mean, they they had three third down and long. Actually, one was third down and nine, and two of them were third down and ten, and they were able to convert them every time, two of them to Edelman, one to Gronk, um, to work their way down the field and end up scoring a touchdown thanks to, again, former Bengal Rex Burkhead, a two-yard touchdown round, run in overtime to send the Patriots to their third straight Super Bowl appearance. Number nine for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Just, there were some things, obviously, I left out that were just crazy about this game. One, you know, the the call on, you know, I talked about the Edelman that, that they had that right. It did not touch him. The, the call about roughing the passer, that was completely wrong. Uh, they were just going by the way that, you know, his arm came down, but he did not touch Brady's head at all. It was perfectly legal, and he still had the ball in his hand, so... Um, that was a blown call, but that didn't really, you know, change the game too much. Um, but the the one that was the most damaging was the, um, the, the play that technically sealed the game, but then didn't because the, the, the chiefs defense defensive lineman did not pay attention to where he was lined up. And on that drive to go up 31 to 28. He he was lined up offsides. Tom Brady threw a horrible throw to Gronk because he was pressured. Gronk tipped it up in the air, and it was picked off. But defensive offside, neutral zone infraction, whatever it was, negated that. Five-yard penalty, still the Patriots' ball, and they were able to go down and win the game. So a lot of crazy things in this one. Some bad calls, obviously. Two, two games that had some really questionable calls. One was more actually affected as far as the outcome with the Rams and the Saints rather than the Chiefs and Patriots. The thing that with the Chiefs Patriots game that bothers me the most is the the whole idea of the overtime. I think the playoffs we need to change it. Um you know, every team needs to have a possession. Like even if you score a touchdown in my opinion. I don't know if we need to do the college setup, but I think everybody should get a chance or they just play the entire quarter like you do in most other sports when it comes to overtime. NFL's the only sport with sudden death like that. Um, so, 
that that's kind of my thing. But we're we're going to actually talk more about that on Friday with Michael and Brian because they have opinions on that. They have you know different viewpoints that I think everyone should hear rather than just my own. When I'll come with a little bit more facts and a little bit more things. So with all that being said, it was a crazy crazy championship Sunday. Really fun games to watch. A lot of things that are going to keep us talking for the next two weeks. Um, but Friday. We're going to focus in, and me and Brian and Michael are going to really talk about the Rams versus the Patriots matchup. This is basically old school versus new school. You know, it's kind of fitting that here Tom Brady is old. He's, he's at least we think he's nearing the end of his career. Same with Bill Belichick. And the team that they beat to start this dynasty, you know, to start it all was young Tom Brady the sixth round draft pick that nobody cared about helping them lead a touched or a, well, uh, a game winning field goal drive against the LA Rams. Well, were they the LA Rams? Yeah, I think they were still the LA Rams. Um, no, no, they're St. Louis. Either way, <laughs> either way against the Rams, he led the, led the Patriots down to get his first ever Super Bowl for himself and the Patriots organization. So it's very fitting that again, coming towards the end of his career, possibly he's going up against a team that started it all, who has now been rebirthed and has played just like the greatest show on turf that turf that he was able to beat. Um, that it's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, it is. It is pretty much young versus old. Or I heard someone put it as like the parents versus Pampers. You know, because the these that Rams team, they're all babies. I mean, yes, you have older players. You have, you know, veterans like Andrew Whitworth and Keith Tlaib. But a majority of their players, Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, um, all majority of their players are young and new to this league. And then their coach, who is only 35 years old, I mean, that's just crazy to think about. So... It's going to be an interesting Super Bowl. We're going to have a lot to break down come Friday. And like I said, we'll talk about everything a little bit more in depth and all that. But it was a crazy Sunday, crazy sports weekend, but all in all, a great time. So that's everything that I wanted to talk about with everybody. Um, appreciate you tuning in this Monday again. Uh, show us some love. You can uh, you know, share our stuff, follow us on different social media platforms, or you can even become a subscriber to the podcast on anchor.com. All you have to do is just, you know, share, help us out. We, just whatever. We, we just appreciate it. As long as you're listening and as long as you're enjoying it, we really do appreciate it. And if you want to actually join the show, as some people have taken advantage of, just text or call 513-788-1490. That's 513-788-1490. And we can plug you into the show. So this is where I'm going to leave everybody today. Uh, we'll be back Friday with Michael and Brian to talk about all the crazy things that happen between now and then. And we'll, of course, talk about the crazy weekend to just remind everybody as we probably forget in, you know, four days. <laughs> but all in all, we'll be back to talk to you all then. So everyone have a great week. Uh, take care and we'll talk to you Friday. Peace out.